So Luke continues the story. He said it was the same day that two men left to go from Jerusalem back home to Emmaus. I say two men, no one really knows for sure. It just says two. Some think it might have been Cleopas' wife with him. And there's some very reputable scholars that say it was a couple and not just a couple of guys. They're making their way back to their home. And as they're walking, they are talking the way people do in the Middle East. I don't know if you've traveled much, but sometimes it's interesting how people have a normal conversation and it looks like they're arguing. My father-in-law and others mock me that I can't talk without my hands, all right? I assure you, Jesus, just looking at them, could tell that they were very intense about something. So the Bible says he walked up and started walking with them, but here's the key phrase. They were hindered from understanding it was him. We don't know why. Some have said it was because of sorrow, but for some reason, they could not even tell it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, so what are you talking about? (laughs) And they stopped, and they were very sad, and they said, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem these days? Now, this story's been told for thousands of years. The story's been read once it was recorded by Luke. And most believe that a congregation like this would hear that question and laugh. Not because they're laughing at God's word. They're laughing at how the situation seems so strange. Jesus, the risen Lord, walking with them, asking them what's going on, and they said, are you the only one that doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem when in fact he's the only one that did know what really happened in Jerusalem? So being the good teacher that he was, he said, so what things? Which allowed them to continue the story. They said, well, the prophet Jesus of Nazareth, a mighty prophet of God, mighty in word And indeed, he had been proclaiming God's truth, but the religious leaders delivered him over and he was crucified. And they said that he had been raised from the dead. Some of the women went out there this morning and They said that the tomb was empty and they'd seen an angel that said he was alive. And so some of the disciples went out and they didn't find his body. And Jesus, the one who did understand what was going on, said to them, you're not being very wise and you're being very slow in your heart believing. So the scripture says that at that point, he opened up the scripture to them as he explained to them what really happened. It says, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them all things in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, if you've been around Shalford, you know we started early this year in something we call the story of God, and we went all the way back to creation as Genesis was recorded by Moses, and the writing of Moses as the 
story of God began, started foreshadowing that Jesus would come. And throughout all the Old Testament, they had known that a prophet was coming. And so when Jesus came, he explained to them how he had fulfilled everything they'd been waiting for. So as he walked along, he, interesting word, they drew near the village and he acted as if he were going further. I'm not saying Jesus played a game with them, but he, he knows how to interact with us, okay? And so he acted like he was going to keep walking, and they said, no, come on to the house with us. And probably in Middle Eastern fashion, after he said no the first time, they said, no, we're serious, come to our house. And he said, no, and then the third time, well, okay, because it usually takes three. And we Southerners are kind of the same way, you know. But he went. And the scripture says when he went into their home, they sat down to eat. And he took the bread and he broke it. And in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened. And they recognized that it was Jesus. And instantly he vanished. And they said, didn't our hearts just burn as we walked along the road and he opened up the scripture to us? But they knew they couldn't keep it to themselves. So you got to get this picture. It was dark, no street lights, but they said, we're going to go back and tell the disciples that we've seen him. So they did. And the scripture records as they made it back they went into that upper room with the disciples who were hiding out, comparing stories as to what they'd seen. And when they got there, Peter said, I've seen the Lord. He's alive. And they said, we've seen the Lord. And they told them how their eyes were opened in the breaking of the bread. Now that's the Gilbert paraphrase of the account in Luke's gospel. So this morning, I want us to say, what does that mean to me? You see, when you approach the Scripture, especially when you're reading the stories of Scripture, you don't try to mimic and do what they did. But instead, you read and you say, so what really happened? And what does this teach me about God? And what does this call out of my heart for me to do? So let's kind of take that approach. Looking to see what it says about God and to see what it says about how we should respond. The first thing I want you to note is he is there. Where? Well, wherever you are, he's there. The scripture makes it very clear you can't get away from his presence. Wherever you go, he is there. You worried about tomorrow? Oh, he's there. Do you have a problem with a relative? He's there. You can't pay your bills? He's there. And just the fact that he's there reminds me that he cares you see the bible says he lived in a body to identify with us so that he might be a high priest who could intercede for us and i don't know what's in your heart this morning i'd have to guess in a crowd this size there's someone if not some ones who are here really in need of god's presence 
Now, maybe you're like the two on the road and you've been hindered from seeing him, but he's there. And when you understand that he's there and that he cares, you begin to see what they saw when he opened up the scripture to them. He told them that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. And that's why I want you to understand he's not only there, but he has a plan. And his plan is to bring us to himself through the cross. He explained to them that it was necessary that the Christ would die. He explained to them that though they were looking, see, they they had kind of a conflicting view of what they were looking for. They were looking for a suffering servant that Isaiah had talked about, but they were looking for a glorious king who would reign. And we say, yep, that's him. But he had to explain to them that he first would go through the cross and then he would be glorified. He is there. He has a plan. And when we begin to see how his plan works, we see how he showed them who he was as he reminded them of his plan. This morning, I want to remind you of the plan of God. When God gave the plan to sacrifice an animal, it wasn't about the blood of goats and rams. It was a picture how one day there would be a substitute, just like they would slaughter that animal and it would become a blood sacrifice of substitute. Jesus became the blood sacrifice for us on the cross. Just like in the Old Testament when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and they had been bitten by poison and he said, well, make a snake just like the ones biting you, put it in the middle and anyone that looks can live. That was a picture of Jesus. And that's why he would say in John chapter 3, you probably know verse 16, where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But in that chapter before that, he said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It was the plan. When Peter preached it in Acts, he said, he died according to the foreknowledge and plan of God. And this morning, God's got a plan for your life. You may be thinking, well, I'm glad he does because I can't figure it out. And I don't have a clue how some of these things are going to work out. I don't even know what to do next. God has a plan. And it's really only in discovering that he is there that you begin to discover that he has a plan. Now, the way we understand his presence is the same way they came to understand his presence. Because the scripture said that in that plan, he told them that God keeps his word. This morning, you probably came to church thinking, I need to leave knowing that Jesus is alive. Because that's what the day signifies. Technically, we do it every Sunday. You know that, right? That, that's why we worship on Sunday, not Saturday. Because the Sabbath, the Saturday, was the day that they rested. On Sunday, early in the mornings, when they went out to the tomb and found that he was alive. And Christians started a new pattern of worship. To worship on the first day of the week because of the resurrection. Now, he has a plan for you. But the only way you can come to understand his plan is to understand how he keeps his word. 
God said that Jesus would come, and he did. God said that he would suffer. They didn't understand it, but he did. And God said he would be raised from the dead. They didn't get it, but he did. And let me tell you the good news for you this morning. God keeps his word. What kind of promise has he made? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in me will live. And even if he dies, he will live. Do you believe that? Last Saturday, I made my way to South Carolina. And I went to the funeral of a lady who has some incredible sons. She'd been a missionary in South America. Someone asked me, what was it like going to the funeral? I said, I felt like a very baby Christian as I listened to the testimony of her life, of how this lady celebrated Jesus every day. Now, we made our way to the cemetery, and her son, who is a pastor, opened up the scripture and read to us about what it means to die in Christ and what it means to be raised. Now, some of you think, well, that's way too far ahead. Well, let me quote this lady. Eternity is too long to be wrong. That may be way out there, but you know, if you can figure out what's way out there, you can figure out what's right here. You can begin to see that God, who is going to take you to himself physically when you die, wants to be with you now spiritually as you live. And he is a God who keeps his word. He has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You never have to worry about him getting so mad he walks away from you. The problem is not him, but us. Because he's always there with open arms. And today we can see those open arms have nails in them. He keeps his word when he invites us to himself. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you, he says in his word. So, reading this passage, I see that he is there. I see that he has a plan. I see that he keeps his word. And I see that he's the one that opens our eyes. Now, we can't make it work just like they made it work. But we can learn how it worked and see how it works with us. The Bible says that when he was breaking the bread and praying blessing over it, that's when they recognized him. It must have been important because that's the very thing they repeated when they gave a testimony back in Jerusalem after walking through the dark seven miles, you know, to go tell the guys that they'd seen Jesus. In the breaking of the bread, they saw it was him. Just a couple days earlier, Jesus had gathered in an upper room with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. I don't know why the Holy Spirit made that moment the moment when their eyes were unveiled, but I do see the parallel. I'm not talking about going to church and having communion. I'm talking about coming to Jesus and seeing that he's broken. You see, our eyes are opened when we see 
He died on the cross for us. It's something God has to do in your life. You know, sometimes people ask me, so, so how'd the sermon go? I say, well, you know, I preach better. Uh, I, I told them what was in the Bible, and I can go home and take a nap because I'm confident if I show them the Word of God, the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to do His work in people's lives. This morning, I can't talk, I wouldn't want to talk anybody into becoming a follower of Jesus. It's just like a parent with a child. You want to do it for them, and you sometimes wish you could get in there and un, you know, fix that screw that's loose, but you, you realize that you have to let them come to their own faith. And this morning, I can do nothing to bring you to faith, but God can, because he's the one that opens our eyes. And if you'll let him today spiritually take you to the cross and see that his body was broken for you and see that his blood was shed for you it's a very simple i could go ahead and add mysterious we bring him our sin he gives us his righteousness we bring him what we've done wrong and he makes us right with god we give him our conflict he gives us peace with god this morning, I invite you to Jesus to let him open the eyes of your heart and see that he really is alive and he wants to be alive in you. Now, in the breaking of the bread and their eyes being opened, they said, didn't our hearts burn while he was telling us from Scripture? Some of you have had heartburn, and you go around the house looking for something to help you so you can lay down and sleep. Not that kind of heartburn. This is that witness of God's Spirit to His Word in our heart. It's been described as a knocking on our heart's door. It's been described as a calling of our name. It's not audible. It's so much louder than that. It, it grips us from within. And we hear his call to come to him and bring him our sin and let him give us his forgiveness. Today I invite you to Christ. When these guys remembered what happened and their hearts were so warmed as they reflected on what he'd taught, they knew they had to go back and tell somebody. You know, a lot of times when someone will come to personal faith and I pray with them about coming to personal faith, I look at them when the prayer's over and says, say, who wants to know this? I say, what do you mean? Does, does your mother, is she a follower of Christ? Does your grandmother follow Christ? Did, do you have a friend that's following Christ? Has someone been telling you that you need to follow Christ? And usually in most cases, they know somebody has been loving them and praying for them, wanting them to know and follow Jesus. Today when we read the story, we see that those two, whether it was Cleo and his wife or Cleo and his friend, I don't know. But we see that those two, once they talked about it, they said, we got to go. And right then, the same hour, 
they returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and they told them, the Lord is risen indeed. And they said, the Lord is risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. Then they told them what happened on the road and how he was known in the breaking of bread. This morning, as I invite you to Christ, I invite you to let us help you tell somebody you're a follower of Christ. One of the best ways that I know, and it's following the command of Jesus, is when a person comes to faith, they're baptized. And what do they do in the baptistry? They identify that when Jesus died, he was taking their sin. And when Jesus was raised, he was raised to give them a brand new life. That water doesn't save anybody. But it's a great picture of identifying with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. Have you ever been baptized? Have you ever told anyone that you're a follower of Christ? This past week, I was looking for a, a sermon to listen to. And I, I wanted to find one that wasn't on the same passage I was preaching, so I wouldn't copy it. But I wanted somebody to preach to me and, and, and make my heart warm. And so I found a sermon by Johnny Hunt, of all people, all right? And so I, I downloaded this sermon, and I started listening to it. And first, I was kind of taken back. His text was when Jesus was baptized. And I thought, okay, that's going to be interesting to see how he makes that Easter, you know. But he did. He said when Jesus started his ministry, he went down in the water and identified with us as humans. But he didn't need to be baptized, but he knew we needed to follow him. So he identified with us, and he foreshadowed what was going to happen a little while later. He was going to die, he was going to be buried, and he was going to be raised to new life. This morning, I invite you to Christ. If you know him, then remember, he's already there. He has a plan for your life. He's going to keep every promise he's made in the Bible. He's going to keep those things. He keeps his word. And every time you feel like you can't see him or the darkness is overcoming you, the old song had it right. He's as close as the mention of his name. Just stop and say, Jesus, I need you. Would you pray with me now? So this morning, as we've reflected on Luke's account of the resurrection, is it real to you? Do you really know him? If he has opened your eyes at the cross and you've seen that his body was broken for you, then celebrate today his presence and his plan and his promises that he will always keep. But if you don't know him today, I invite you to Christ. So, Father, as your spirit moves among us and we acknowledge your presence and the truth of Jesus dying and being raised from the dead, I pray for anyone in this room, anyone listening to my voice, that if they don't know Christ, they'll understand how simple it is. As your spirit draws them and their hearts begin to burn, 
I pray that they too can come and say, I see him in the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood, and I need a Savior. And Father, I pray for all those who have already known you, who walked into this room to worship. May they continue to celebrate that you are always there and your plan is good and you keep your promises. So as we continue to focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus, would you take your word and do your work in our hearts? In Jesus' name I pray. Would you look this way? We're going to sing some more and celebrate the risen Lord. Johnny told you about that little card. One of the most important steps you might take today would be to write your name on that card and write something on there about becoming a follower of Jesus. We'd like to know everyone who's here, so if you're already a regular attender, part of our family, already been a regular friend, then just write your name. We've got your contact information. And I promise you, we will read through everything you put on that card about how God is working in your life and how we can pray for you. So there should be a pen there. You can do it. I could just wait and watch and, you know, <laughs> see, see if you do it, okay? But I'm serious about it. I, I, I want to know what's going on in your heart. And now we're going to celebrate that he is alive because he is risen. And you say, he is risen indeed. This morning I got up and I started communicating with missionary friends. And it was so much fun to hear them say, in Japan, he is risen indeed. In Kuala Lumpur, he is risen indeed. And in East Africa, he is risen indeed. And in North Africa, he is risen indeed. I saw it coming across the time zones as they celebrated that they'd already done it. I said, hang on, guys, i got to go to church. Uh, it's just now time for us to do it. He is risen. He is alive. And I hope you can say, he is alive in me.